So many, many years ago, I was approached by an ex-player. I had a player, Robbie Slater. Lovely, lovely guy. He played at Blackburn. He played at West Ham. He's an Australian player. And we spoke about different players. And, and I had a player fall into my hands that I went to watch, and he was sensational. And at the time, Newcastle were the club. Kevin Keegan was the manager. They had people like Aspria playing there. Les Ferdinand, I, yeah, this was a real team. And I thought this player would be magnificent there. So I told Kevin, now I don't know who Kevin sent to watch the player. In my opinion, <clears throat> and it's only my opinion, this player was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I only watched him for 45 minutes. He was brilliant. Kevin sent someone to watch him. Now, at that time, let's say the first division, let's call it the championship, because yep. what it was, it was the Premier League, then the first division. But let's, for the, the sake of words, let's call it the championship. At that time, Wolves were bottom of the championship. And I remember Kevin sent someone to watch him, and Kevin called me. He said, Silky, we've been to watch the player. And in our opinion, and it's not his opinion, it's just whoever went to watch him. In our opinion, the player is not good enough to play for Wolves. So I said, Kev, who did you send? Stevie Wonder. <laughs> I never forget this. He said, well, it's an opinion. I said, well, I have to tell you, you are so far out, it's scary. So what I did, I called a friend of mine whose brother-in-law was in charge of a huge, huge club abroad. And I said, they've got to go and watch this player. He was cheap. He was £1.2 million. So you've got to go and watch him. And at that time, five million was a big price, six million. So at one point two, even then, he was cheap. I said, the guy go and watch him because he's fantastic. So he spoke to his brother-in-law, and he come back. A guy called Maurizio come back to me. He said to me, Silky, we know the player. My brother-in-law knows the player because he was working Maurizio for the youth team, scout for the youth team. He said we know the player. He knows you're a great judge, so we're going to go and watch him again. And they bought the player. And obviously, I didn't get paid, yeah? yeah? But what they did do, because there was no transfer windows then, for four years running after that, they gave my wife and I free holiday in Italy for one month. Any hotels we wanted to go, they picked up the bill for four years. The player's name was Zinedine Zidane. <laughs> and whoever Kevin went to send to watch him said he couldn't play for Wolves. Oh, did seriously Wolves turn down Zinedine Zidane? No, not Wolves, Newcastle. Oh, Newcastle turned him down. Newcastle, yeah, Kevin Keegan at Newcastle, yeah. Because Kevin, obviously it wasn't Kevin because Kevin didn't see him, but Kevin sent sent somebody oh, to watch him God. and they just said he couldn't play. They couldn't he, play for he's Wolves. He's not good enough to play for Wolves. He was bottom of the championship. Yes. And, and the guy I spoke to was uh, Maurizio Peverali, and his brother-in-law was Roberto Bettiger. And at the time, Roberto Bettiger was running Juventus. What a player he was as well, Bettiger. Yeah, and they ended up selling him, I think it was about £46 million they sold him for. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen that picture. Yeah. How did you yeah. feel, John, when you were walking away from the team that you supported as a kid? Your dream was to play for Manchester United. Did you feel that part of that dream was being taken away? Or did you feel as though you were walking into a bright new tomorrow with Don well, Reeve in this team that he was assembling at Leeds United? 
But what happens when you're a kid, you have dreams, yeah. right? You dream about things, but but then you have to then it becomes reality. Yes. You know, in my situation at Old Trafford, it was no longer a dream. Yeah. You know, this is my future, and Matt Busby had lost confidence in me, yeah. and uh, uh, you know the the what was said at Old Trafford. Nobody leaves Old Trafford and does well. In fact, when 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 I asked for the transfer, I mean Matt didn't hesitate. He said, "Yeah, yeah, that's okay." Uh, and Wilf McGuinness said at one stage, a few days later, go up and see the boss, and he might change his mind. Because yeah. that was the mood at Old Trafford. Nobody does Old Trafford, um, nobody leaves Old Trafford and does well, and nobody really wants to leave. Well, I did. I was having a bad time at Old Trafford. Yeah. So I had my, in my head, uh, I was only 22 at the time, my, in my head, it was, well, this is a great club for Dennis Law and Bobby Charlton, and that's great, that's great for them. It's not great for me. So I, I thought, well, I want to go uh, because I couldn't see any future uh, there for me. I couldn't keep going at the way I was going. My confidence would have been totally gone. So I thought, well, if I go on the transfer list and somebody comes in for me, it means that they, they rate you. You're, yeah. start, you're starting from scratch there. Yeah. And that, that was, that's what happened with Don. Don came in and Don was sort of taking me away from Old Trafford. I didn't read it. I thought it was just a photograph at the time, you know? Absolutely. And to a, a, a brand new start at Leeds United, you'd got Billy there um, that, you, that you formed, I would say, arguably the greatest double act. A better double act than Lauren and Lardy and Morecambe and Wise and, and <laughs> yeah. any of the double acts that we That's, know. That was off the, that was off the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, great, the, the, the big reason I, I, was, I was influenced to go to Leeds who were in the second division then yeah. was Bobby Collins. Yeah. Bobby Collins was 10 years older than me. I played against Bobby Collins when he got Everton. I saw him playing for Celtic, and he was one of my heroes, one of the great players. And I thought, well, if Bobby Collins has gone to Leeds, they must be doing something. They must be doing something. And I know from Christmas to the end of the season, they made a really good run at, at, at getting promotion. They finished fourth, I think, at that particular time. So when you're making a move, Paul, as you know, you're in the lap of the gods. Nobody knows how a move is going to work out. You know, you're taking a chance on it. It's always a chance. And I was very lucky. I had me two angels on my shoulders and that uh, it worked out as well as it did at Leeds. Nobody, nobody could foresee that. I couldn't foresee it. But you just had to take it on the, at the time. Uh, I was only on the transfer list for two days, but I really did want to get away from Old Trafford. A Serbian. You didn't just blow kisses whilst on the football pitch. You sat down and gave kisses as well, didn't you? <laughs> First of all, I thought you were talking about sitting on the ball. Yeah, well, <laughs> We're going to come to that in a bit because yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. still at the beginning of Sheffield and moving on and going back. But that, yeah. that kiss with Alan Birchnell, because uh, you pretty much replaced Birch, didn't you, at Sheffield United? He moved on. Yeah, that was that's dead right. He... he... Uh, 60, 60, late 67, yeah. he, he went to Chelsea and I came early 68. So, yeah, I, I, I more or less uh, replaced him and uh, and Mick Jones went at near, you know, before that 68 Christmas, um, sorry, 67 Christmas or New Year. And, and them two went and, and I came and, uh, yeah, you, you could say I replaced him, yeah. But the... the, the the kiss happened. I think it was seventy-four, five, yeah. something like that. And um, we, I, I think we were defending, and we ended up doing a, a 
it was like it really was synchronized it was we we both did tumbled over head over reels it was and we both sat there and he just turned around and said kiss a kiss because we we knew each other from playing against each other and and he was he's a lovely bloke anyway and and uh, so I did. And we kissed on the lips, and 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 there was one photographer there probably made a fortune out of it. It is sad that the photographer makes a fortune out of it, and you and Birch made absolutely zip, which it should be really the other way around. But you did court controversy because it wasn't just the kiss; they were going balmy, weren't they, the public? Yeah. Um, well, apparently it was. I mean, it was in the papers the next yeah. day, and. And um, apparently it was the first ever kiss on the lips in the world ever and um, through two footballers and it got in magazines abroad and stuff like that. But Birchie, Birchie, um, he made a few bob out of it for charity because every he, he used to send me pictures of it and I'd sign them and, he, and I'd send them back to him and he'd he'd be raising money for his charities and he must have made thousands and thousands. You got a bloody MBE or something for, for all that. And I, I was, I was bloody signing these things and, and sending them back to him. But, uh, he, you know, we, 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 we redid it a couple, if that's the word, it's yes. not, but uh, uh, we did it at Leicester a couple of times. Cause he used to run around the pitch for charity at the end of the season. And I, I'd go there and we, we actually set it up that we, that we kissed again and, and we got he made a few hundred quid out of that and we've done it we've done it again in Sheffield and stuff and he's it's all for his bloody charities not mine <laughs> <laughs> but again Birch was one of the characters of the game wasn't he and another player that when he went on the pitch he wanted to entertain we had characters I think these days we haven't got so many characters and that's why we love and and always love to indulge in those great halcyon days of the 70s with you guys so you signed on at Sheffield there as a as a young'un as a forward and it wasn't until a couple of seasons later that you had a chat with John and says, look, John, I, I fancy playing midfield rather than up front. Mm. And then I, I guess the the blue touch paper of Tony Curry was truly lit. Yeah, I, you know, I was, I mean, I'd scored nine goals in my first six games for Watford, which yeah. is possibly a, a, a record. I don't know. I, I'd love to find out one day from from ever first ever debut nine goals in six games a bit phenomenal, isn't it? I would say hundred percent. That's a record. I mean, it, it was it was a Jimmy Greaves yep. sort of thing, <laughs> and uh, and uh, you know, I was thinking this is all right. I went to Sheffield United, scored four in my first thirteen games in my first bit of a season with them, and then the goals just seemed to dry up, and I I ended up. I found myself in midfield making goals. Yeah. And I, th- I, th- I thought, oh, this is a lot of fun. SRB Media. Talk to me about that wonderful time that you spent. Was it in France with Bob Latchford? That was a wonderful story. Yeah, yeah, that was, well, it was a fun story because yeah. it was, it was, it was, <laughs> again, <laughs> it was something that out of the blue because uh, that was the game uh, that was an under, funnily enough, strangely enough, an under 23 too. I, they just got got rid of my ban. I think they cut my ban short because Ramsey had got the uh, 
the sack and uh, they were looking for a new manager and a fellow called Ken Furphy took over uh, just as an interim uh, and we got to the airport and we was at the airport this particular day and uh, I'd never, never thought too much of it just went for the trip really because I was, I was back it was good just to be there and there'd be no Don Revy uh, and I thought yeah, I, I might have a chance to build my career up again here and um, he called us all in Furphy and he said look he says you know I'm new at this game I, I he managed Watford he said but in, internationally he said I haven't got a clue to make captain he says uh, so could we have a show of hands you know who would you you know and the fella called Willie Madron uh, who was a big lad at centre half at Middlesbrough I didn't I didn't know him uh, but he turned out a right nice lad uh, and in, in, <laughs> it was I, it must have been his first trip as well because he just turned around and he said oh, he said, I don't think there's any question about this. He said, and he just pointed at me and he said, well, he's the best player in the year. He said, surely he should be captain. And and, it, and he and and Furphy just turned around and said, anyone got any quibbles with it? And, and everyone kind of, it wasn't as if they wanted me to be captain. They, you know, they just wanted to get on with it. But Willie, Willie spoke up anyway, made me captain. And then... The, we got to our, our first departure uh, place was uh, in I, I think it was Paris or something and I'm um, with Bob Latchford and uh, Bob who was a lovely lovely fella and uh, he was a big strong boy and uh, his case didn't turn up um, we got back to, we got to the hotel and he said I've got no I've got no gear and I said well, try some of mine on and he said yours won't he said yours won't fit me and he took his top off his muscles like you know uh, so I, I went alright I said stay as you are I go and my first job was to go in to see the secretary so I went downstairs and I, it was something I really look forward to for, for once banging on their door instead of them banging on mine <laughs> And uh, and I just said to the fellow, he said, "What what 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 is it?" And uh, I said, uh, "I said my roommate hasn't got any gear. He hasn't. His case never turned up, and I want some money for him." So he says, uh, "Well, what do you want?" I said, "Well, give him three three four hundred quid for going go and buy some clothes." I said, "He's he, he can't walk around and saying clothes for five six days." And uh, anyway, he went into his wallet and he gave me his money. I got, went up and gave it to Bob. I said, come on, we're going shopping. Uh, let's get you some gear and then we go and have a beer. And uh, we, we walked around the corner and he stopped, he stopped uh, along the street and he was looking in his dress shop. And I thought I started laughing to myself. And I said, what are you doing? And uh, he, he says... Uh, I said, you're not, sh- you're not a cross-dresser, are you? So <laughs> he said, no. He says, everywhere I go in the world, whenever I go on tour, I always buy my wife a dress. I said, but you haven't got no clothes, Bob. Buy yourself some clothes first and then buy yourself something later. He said, no, I must buy something. So he bought his wife a dress and then we had to go and get him some clothes. But it was just 
absolutely hilarious and i've now i've got a room with him for five days and i and i thought oh, he's gonna be stuck dressing up as a woman this fella you know <laughs> and he, he was one of the toughest toughest center forwards in the country at that time you know um so it was a great it was a great start to the trip and it made it was all fun really uh nothing come of it i can't remember any of the matches i think we played in turkey in ankara where we got flooded off uh but it was no good, and that, the games weren't no good, and I don't think you could too much come out of it. I, I, I don't even know if I ever got picked again, and I'm not too sure. If you could have a conversation with anyone, a one-to-one with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be, who would it be with? If I could have what? Uh, a conversation, a cup of coffee, a beer, a cup of tea, a one-to-one conversation with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be with? Billy Bremner. You were very close, wasn't you? You and uh, you and Billy. Yeah, I think I was the brother he never had. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, since he's passed away, which is about twenty-two years, I think now. Yeah. I wake up and every day of my life, I, I think about Billy. Some part of the day, and I go to the day I die, and I've always said the Dominic players like him today. What What was What was special? What was different about Billy Bremner? Because, I mean, he was a great midfield player and he scored a lot of goals from midfield play and also a lot of important goals for Leeds United, didn't he? Absolutely. And, uh, I mean, people say to me, who was the best player you ever played with or against? Well, I played against Leeds before I joined Leeds. Yep. And I played with some great England players, i.e. Bobby Moore, Gordon Banks, Alan Ball, Bobby Charlton. But for me, best player played with and against Billy Bremner, without a shadow of a doubt. He got absolutely everything, world class, absolutely. I mean, as you said, he scored a lot of goals for Leeds United and yeah. he scored a lot of vital goals as well. Um, he just had, he'd got everything. I mean, if you saw Billy in training pre season, we used to go on like five mile runs yeah. to get stamina. The gaffer used to give him 15 minutes start before he set us off because he weren't interested. Yeah. But give him a ball, put a ball to his heel run all day. Yeah. <laughs> That's the difference. Unbelievable. The um, Against Liverpool, you made your home debut, didn't you? And you had a dream that day. Boy, wasn't it a dream. SRB Media. Hat-trick. Uh, uh, well, yeah. Um... <laughs> and a kicking. <laughs> Yeah, it it, it it was quite a remarkable day. Was wasn't it? <laughs> um, excuse me. Um, so um, you have to remember that uh, having played at um, having played at sort of third division level and and and, a, and just a few games at second division level, um, all of a sudden here I was in front of a, 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 a packed stadium, and, you, and and as the team ran out onto the pitch, the noise was absolutely deafening. The atmosphere was just electric. And uh, and it, it, without any... And, and this is why it's so difficult at the moment for yeah, players. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you, you have that noise and atmosphere in a stadium and it just lifts you. Yeah. It really does lift you. Um, and, and so the, the game has started and um, Emily Hughes scored... For Liverpool, yeah. made it one nil. Uh, 
and we're carrying on playing and um, and signed just after myself was Terry Hibbert from Leeds United and and Terry and I we were starting to build a good little relationship um, together and and he slid slid a wonderful little ball uh, um, through to a to a lad called David Young um, who later went to Sunderland and his claim to fame was that he was the sub on the bench at Wembley when Sunderland won the FA Cup in 73. <laughs> um, and, and David Young was tripped in the penalty area by Kevin Keegan. And so I took the penalty and scored, and that made it one each. And then a bit later, in the first half still, um, Terry Hibbert slid another wonderful pass. This time it was to me, and I was just able to, to dink it over the outstretched foot of Larry Lloyd, and I went round Lloydy and then cracked it into the far top corner. Um, and it was, it was quite spectacular. Yes, it was. Um, and, and so the crowd have gone daft. We're 2-1 up against Liverpool. I just scored my second goal, and I've, and I've gone to the corner flag um, to the left in celebration and all the players have come running the length of the field and, and all congratulated me and we're we're starting to head back towards the halfway line to get the match restarted and and I and I've listened and the crowd are all singing in unison now the hit musical at the time was Jesus Christ Superstar down in London and the supporters were singing that title song but they changed all the words and so they were singing, Super Mac, Superstar, how many goals have you scored so far? And I thought, blimey, who's handed the song sheets out? You know, it was, it was quite remarkable. It really was. And it, uh, and it was the sort of forging of a, of a wonderful relationship that I've had with the Geordie folk ever since. And then you went on and scored your hat-trick. I got it, yes. I got the third. Yeah. And, um, and, and again, it was a super goal. Um, it, was, it was a ball played into um, John Tudor. And he, first time, just lifted it over a defender's foot into my path. And I cracked it first time um, into the low corner. And, um, and, well, goalkeepers don't like having Patrick scored against them. But Ray Clements in particular, I learned... Um, really, really hated it. And, and a bit later in the game, um, he's duffed a, a, a goal kick. And he, uh, he was one of the sweetest kickers of a ball that you could ever wish to see. And so for him to duff it, uh, it's made me think in, in years that have followed that he, he's done that purposely because he wasn't one to duff a kick at all. And, and it's come bobbling at me. And and I've gone to control it, and it's and it um it's come up, it's hit my leg, it's gone up and over Larry Lloyd, and I've sprinted past him, and as it's coming down and down, I've looked, and Ray Clements is it, it has come tearing out of his um, goal, and and I've leapt up and lobbed, lob volleyed the ball over his head, and I've landed, and I'm looking past Ray Clement, uh, at, at, and the ball has come down, 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 and then it's just sat on the roof of the net, um, the wrong side of the bar. Uh, um, and then Ray Clements, he just poof, 
put six studs into my face at pace. <laughs> and uh, that was me done for the rest of the match. I, I was carried off and, um, and, I, and I tried to stay conscious on the bit. Um, but by the time they put me on, a, on the treatment, t- treatment bed in, in the physio's room, I just sort of went spark out, was out for the count totally. And, and I woke up to see Frank Clark, our left back and vice captain, Frank Clark at the foot of the bed. Um, and I, I would often, as a player, I would often go, you know, while everybody was getting all hyped up, I used to go the other way as a, as a player. And I could go and have a kick for 10 minutes um, in the middle of, of getting ready. And, um, and I used to just stay very calm, very relaxed. Um, and so I, I sort of came to thinking that the game was yet to be played. And I just said to Frank, I said, Frank, I said, I've just had this, this really incredible dream. I said, I've just dreamt that I scored a hat-trick. He said, you have scored a hat-trick, you idiot. <laughs> This is after the game, not before. I know, for heaven's sake. And so I had to really work with my memory to 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 uh, get back all of the all of the events that had taken place. So yeah, that was quite a quite a home debut. <laughs> Yeah. 